before the carols and the candles, before the trees, before the lights, before the tables are set and the meals are made, before we open our arms to welcome a new Christmas season, let's not forget to stop and prepare, but not for the parties, and not for the presents. This year, let's stop and prepare our hearts for the real reason we celebrate. Merry Christmas, church. I love this. I love this time of year. I love this season. I love this service. I mean, it's just so special. And having families in the service, all of us together, and just the carols and cookies and just the whole everything that makes Christmas so special. And I welcome you guys out in Overflow. Thank you guys and just participating in the service and all of us joined together. And I love what God's doing in this church. I mean, this is so special and wonderful that we can celebrate Christmas together. You know, Christmas is a lot about gifts, right? We give gifts, we give presents to one another, and we love, we love, we love, love giving gifts. Now, I remember being a little kid, and I would always kind of sneak around the Christmas tree. I don't know if any of you other little kids do this, but, and I would look at the tags on the gifts and kind of see if my name was on the tag. Anybody else has kind of done that, you know, and try to be inconspicuous about it, but look over. And when I would see my name on that tag, that two, and my name was on there, I was like, yes, you know, and I was getting so excited. I would lay in bed at night. I would think about what that gift might be. And we're going to get lots of presents, right? How many of you, you do a present on Christmas Eve? So tonight, somebody, you're getting a present. What? Oh, all the kids are like, yeah, we're doing that new tradition. We're just adding that right now, <laughs> right? How many of you do all your gifts on Christmas Day? Anybody like, oh, yeah, that's what we do, all Christmas, we gotta wait just a little bit longer, but we get all our gifts then. But what makes a gift special? Have you ever thought about that? I mean, what makes a gift special? Because we're gonna get some things, we're gonna be like, yeah, I'm gonna return that, you know? But, but there are some things that make a gift special. What is it? Well, I think this, when you get something you want, that's a special gift. When I was a little kid, one of my earliest childhood memories was I got a bike. I mean, I was so excited. I, mean, I could picture it in my head coming down the Christmas tree, and there was a bike, had a bow on it, and I was like, yes! I mean, it was awesome. I used to ride this bike with all my buddies in the neighborhood and jump curbs, and it was, it was great. A couple years ago, my wife Lisa, there was a present under the tree. It said, to Lisa from Jeff, and she got that, and, and I'm looking at it thinking, I don't remember getting that gift, but she had it, and it's like she unwraps it and she takes it out. She goes, this is perfect. It's just what I wanted. And I'm like, I don't remember buying it. She goes, you didn't. I did, you know. And she goes, but it's just what I wanted. I was like, great, okay, well, Merry Christmas, you know. So however you do it, you know, you can get your gift, but something that you want. Here's another great gift. When you get something you need, when you get something you need. Uh, a couple of years ago, some of our really good friends, uh, they gave us a Keurig. And we were over at our house, and we opened it up, and Lisa and I are sitting there, you know, and, and we looked at each other, and we go, well, that's sweet, but um, we don't drink coffee. <laughs> and they go, yeah, we know, but we do. <laughs> and we always come over to your house, and you don't have any coffee. We're like, huh? <laughs> okay, so we're just keeping it at our house for you. Is that what we're doing? <laughs> See, we didn't know we needed that, though, and now all of our friends are like, thank you. You finally got a coffee maker, right? That's great. That's great. So something you need, and when you get something you need, you're like, that's awesome. All right, when you get a gift that's valuable, 
Have you ever gotten a gift and you just like opened it up and went, wow, I mean, that is valuable. It kind of blows you away, right? Well, some friends of mine gave me this book. And this is from C.S. Lewis. And I love C.S. Lewis. He's kind of one of my faith heroes and grew up in England, was a professor at Oxford. And I mean, just incredible intellectual guy. He was an atheist. And then he had some friends, J.R.R. Tolkien and Hugo Dyson, who said, hey, you need to start reading the Bible. You need to look in because there's a lot of things going on in your life and you need some answers. And C.S. Lewis read God's word, read the Bible, and he gave his life to Christ at the age of 33. And he went on to become one of the great apologetics of all time. He wrote Mere Christianity. So if you're here today and you're kind of checking out the Christian faith and you're like, ah, you know what? Go get Mere Christianity. Check it out. He wrote Screw Tape Letters, The Great Divorce, The Chronicles of Narnia. I mean, he did all that. And this is a first edition. And when they were in London, they said, hey, we found this and we bought it for you. And I was like, wow, that was nice. I mean, that was incredible. That was valuable. 17 years ago, I gave the most valuable gift I'd ever given uh, up until that point. And 17 years ago, I went to Lisa and I got down on one knee on Christmas Eve and I gave her a ring. And that was more money than I'd ever spent on a gift. And it was worth every penny because I love my wife, and she is beautiful and amazing, and it was worth it. But when you get something valuable, man, you hold on to that, right? Or how about this? When you get something from somebody who's really special to you, you know, I have three children, and it doesn't matter what they give me, I'm gonna love it, right? I'm gonna love it when my kids give me a gift. My daughter, Mabry, when she was three years old, she made me this trophy, world's best dad. <laughs> I got to tell you, I love this trophy. And when she made that for me, I'm going to tell you, I brought tears to my eyes because I was just like, thank you. Thank you. And I know, man, a lot of you guys in here, you're, you're world's best dads because you're awesome dads and granddads. And guys, I'd say this all the time. Somebody else could do our jobs, but nobody else could be dad to our kids. And that's our calling and that's our responsibility and you know when she gave me this, I tell you, you know what, it's two styrofoam cups and some pipe cleaners. But it's the best trophy I've ever got in my life. And I keep it on my desk because I say, you know what, I want to be that. I want to be that guy. I want to be world's best dad. You know, we give gifts at Christmas. You know why? Because God started the whole thing. <laughs> I mean, it was at Christmas that God gave the greatest gift of all. God came to us. And other major world religions are about man trying to get to God. If I can be good enough, maybe my good will outweigh my bad. Maybe God will accept me. But none of us can ever be good enough. And so God says, I'll take care of that. I'll come to you. And God came down at Christmas and gave us Jesus, the Christ of Christmas, the greatest gift ever. Because God loves you that much. That's Christmas. If you have a Bible with you, I want to invite you to go back with me to that very first Christmas, Luke chapter 2. Luke chapter 2. If you don't have a Bible and you want one, we've got some free Bibles for you in the back. Uh, also, at the end of the service, we're going to have kind of a response room out these doors. We'll open the doors and you can head over there. We'll have some Bibles for you over there. Uh, or we'll just put the scripture on the screen. You can follow along with what God's Word has to say. But Luke is writing this, and Luke was a physician. He was very precise in his details and so historically accurate. And he tells us what was going on at the time of that first Christmas in Luke chapter 2, verse 1. It says, In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. 
So the Romans had conquered, you know, the area of Palestine and where Israel is, modern-day Israel. Most of the world had been conquered by the Romans, and Caesar Augustus is in charge. And this was the first census that took place while Quinarius was governor of Syria, and everyone went to their own town to register. So Caesar Augustus says, hey, wherever you were born, you have to go back there and register, and you had to register to pay taxes. That's pretty exciting. Thank you very much, right? You know, so you have to go there and register to pay taxes or to be in the military. Now, the Jews didn't have to serve in the military. All the other nations they conquered did, but the Jews had to pay double taxes. So they have to go. And you know what? Caesar Augustus doesn't care about pregnant women. He doesn't care about the elderly. He just wants his money. So he says, you guys go and register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and the line of David. So we know in Matthew chapter 1, we've been in that study on Sunday mornings, uh, that the Messiah would come from the line of David, 42 generations. And Joseph, Jesus' earthly dad, is in that line going to Bethlehem, the town of David. And he went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. Now notice that they're pledged to be married, right? Because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. Jesus, fully God, fully man. And while they were there, the time came for a baby to be born. And she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. And she wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them. And there were shepherds living out in their fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. And they were terrified. All right, now when we think of angels today, somehow some misconception started that angels are kind of plump and fat and have halos and wear diapers. I'm like, yeah, where did that come from? I have no idea because in the Bible, angels are warriors and they are warriors of light. So these shepherds are out in the field and these angels show up and they are terrified. We would be terrified too if they showed up. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great Joy. Don't you love that? Christmas is about joy. Isn't that awesome? Good news of great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you, and he is the Messiah. Now, when the angel said Messiah, all these shepherds would be like, yes, yes, because the Old Testament was all talking about the Messiah, that God would send a deliverer, that God would rescue the people. And they thought it was going to be a political Messiah, but what God was doing was something deep in their hearts. But they heard Messiah, and they said, yes, we've been waiting for the Messiah. He's here, and he is the Lord. And this will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest heaven. And on earth, peace to those on whom his favor rests. What an awesome declaration. You know, when God makes a birth announcement, he doesn't just put Jesus' foot, you know, on a card and mail it to everybody in Bethlehem. He, he sends the whole heavenly host. He says, hey, let's make a real announcement here. Let's let everybody know the Messiah is here. And Jesus is the greatest gift of all. If you want to take some notes there in your worship guide's little spot, we take notes on Sunday morning. If you just want to write anything down, you're welcome to. But I want you to see this, that Jesus meets our greatest want. Jesus meets our greatest want. You, you know, for us, if we were to be honest, our greatest want, I believe, is this. It's peace. <laughs> it's peace. 
And maybe you're in that season right now, things have been crazy and hectic and all you're thinking about is, hey, when's the vacation, right? Or when's the spa day, right? Or when's the time alone? When, when can I get some peace? And that's not unlike the world when Jesus was born. Pax Ramona, right? That means the peace of Rome. And the Romans thought, if we conquer the whole world, there'll be peace. But peace doesn't come by the sword, does it? And there was anything but peace back then. The Jews hated the Romans. The Romans hated the Jews. You know, all these nations they would conquer. They were slaves. If you were elderly, there was no peace. Definitely, if you were a woman, there was definitely no peace back in this day and this time. Even Caesar Augustus was always scared of being assassinated. There was anything but peace. And into that world, God brought the Prince of Peace. God came down to bring peace. And let me tell you, the Roman Empire crumbled There is no more Roman Empire. But 2,000 years later, the Prince of Peace still reigns because that is God. And Jesus comes to bring peace and he comes to bring peace from the inside. He comes to bring peace from the inside. See, we think we can get peace by controlling everything. If I can fix my spouse, if I can fix my kids, if I can fix my boss, then somehow I'm gonna have peace. But we live in a fallen world. There's always going to be challenges. There's always going to be things that happen around. And Jesus comes to bring peace in our heart. And when we have peace with God, then we can have peace with ourselves. And then we can have peace with others. So instead of starting out there to try to find peace, let's start here. Let's start here. Because God came to bring peace. So here's the question. Do you have peace? Do you have peace in your life? You know the squeeze test? Right, if you were to squeeze a banana, what comes out? Banana, right, okay, <laughs> gets all over you. But you know, if you were to squeeze an orange, what comes out? An orange. If you were to squeeze a Christian, what should come out? Christ, peace, joy. Regardless of the circumstances, that there is a deep abiding peace. Jesus says, take heart, I've overcome the world. I've come to bring peace. Jesus also, he meets our greatest need. He meets our greatest need. You know what I believe our greatest need is? I believe it's life. We have this need for life. Have you ever realized when you hurt a part of your body, everything else in your body reacts to that? You know, if you have an internal injury, all the blood redirects to go to that spot because there's a survival mode that we go into because our greatest fear, our greatest fear is death. And for every person that's ever lived, especially back then, then these guys, they were afraid of the dark. And so you imagine when the angels showed up, I mean, they were like, what? You know, it's like, wow, they were afraid. And what does the angel say? Do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. And maybe you're here today and that's all you really need to hear. You just need to hear God say, hey, listen, don't be afraid. I got this. I'm with you. I'm for you. I believe in you. I want the best for you. Don't don't be afraid. The angel said, today, the town of David, a savior has been born. A savior. Isn't that what we need? Because the fact is, we only get 70, 80, 90, 100 years on this earth. And then everybody's like, okay, what happens after that? We fall into this mentality of like, he who has the most toys wins. And you're like, well, no, that doesn't really happen. He who has the most toys still ends up dying. Everybody does at some point. Jesus came, though, that we might have life and have eternal life. Jesus came to be the Savior, to step into our place. The Bible says the wages of sin is death. But Jesus came, substitutionary atonement. Jesus took our place. 
And he died so that we could have eternal life. We could spend life eternal with God. I really like sports. And uh, the other day I was reading an article and uh, Rick Barnes, he's the coach of the University of Tennessee and right in basketball, number three right now in the nation. Way to go, Vols, good job. And Rick Barnes is a strong believer. And he was asked after a press conference the other day when somebody said, hey, what are you most thankful for? What are you most thankful for? And, and he said, I'm thankful for a moment that's bigger than any win. And the reporter was like, what's that? And he said, two of the guys on my team were baptized last week. <laughs> he said, we went all down there as a team and we circled around and there were students there. Everybody was at the church and their families. And I was texting all these parents and just saying, hey guys, this is bigger than any win because guys, this is life. This is life. And I want to tell you, when you get that relationship with the Lord right and you step in and say, Jesus, I want you to be the Lord of my life. And, and man, you're baptized. It's a celebration. Because that's life eternal. It's life eternal. Hey, Jesus is the most valuable gift you will ever receive. He is the most valuable gift that has ever been given. I don't know what you're gonna get for Christmas, but there is nothing more special than what you will receive in Christ. If you're a parent here, What's the most valuable thing to you? It's not your life, is it? It's your child. I mean, you would step in front of a car for your child. You would take a bullet for your child. Well, listen to this. The most famous verse in all the Bible, John 3, 16, says, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. Can you imagine that? God gave his son for you. God says, I don't want to spend eternity without you. And so Jesus came. Now we know John 3, 16, but do you know John 3, 17? For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Isn't that awesome? Sometimes we think God's up there and he's got this kind of video running of all our past mistakes, all our mess ups. No, God didn't send his son into the world to condemn the world. God sent his son into the world to save us. There is nothing more valuable than a child. And the God of the universe, the God who put the stars in the sky, he gave his son for you. God gave his one and only son for you. And he did it not so that we would have condemnation for our sins, but that we would be saved from our sins. That we would have life eternal. That's what God has done for us. And listen, Jesus is the greatest gift of all because of because he is a gift from God. He is a gift from God. Do you know there's other major moral religions and, and the supreme beings unknowable or unpleasable? But the God of the Bible, you guys, is a God of love. The God of the Bible is a God of grace. The God of the Bible is a giver. First John 3, 1 says, see how great the love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called the children of God. Exclamation point. I love exclamation points in the Bible. And that is what we are. We are sons and daughters of the King of kings and Lord of lords. And the gift of Jesus is from God himself. And you are a son or a daughter of the King of kings and Lord of lords through Jesus Christ. And you can call God Father. Father, now for some of you, that may be a hard title for God. Because you grew up in a home and, and maybe you didn't have the world's best dad. And maybe it was hard or difficult, and I just want to say, I'm sorry, but don't project that onto God. God loves you with an everlasting love. 
God loves you and he promises to never leave you or forsake you. You are forever his. Forever his. Now here's the amazing part, right? For a gift to become yours, you've got to receive it. You've got to receive it. But when you receive the gift of Christ, your life will never be the same. There is a joy and a peace and a hope that just radically transforms you. I tell people often, you know, when they get married, I'm like, you know, your life's going to change, but, but it's not going to change that radically because, you I mean, you're like living with your best friend. But, but when you have a baby, your life radically changes, okay? I mean, like, everything in your world changes, right? You're like, your friends are calling. They want to go out. You're like, I can't go out. It's like 7 o'clock. I'm getting ready to go to bed. I'm tired, you know? It's like, I'm done. Yeah, we used to stay up and watch Fallon. No more, you know? It's like, everything in your life changes, I remember when my oldest daughter was three, and, and I remember it was a beautiful fall day, and I'm leaving Franklin, and I'm driving with my wife and my daughter in the back seat, and we are going up 65 toward Nashville, and UT and Vandy are playing football, and it is a perfect day, but I'm not going to the game. No, I'm in a white minivan going to Sesame Street Live. And I'm thinking, my life just changed. I mean, like, I don't know where all this went, but, you know, I'm going to Sesame Street Live. And I get to Sesame Street Live, and I'm just thinking, you know, I'm checking scores and that stuff. But then I watch as my daughter just starts jumping up and down and smiling and laughing. And I just thought, man, it's all worth it. I mean, it is all worth it. I tell you, when Christ comes alive in you, there is a joy. You just want to give You know, God is a giver. He gave his son. And when we are in Christ, we just want to give. We want to give that love to those around us. We want to love our spouse. We want to have a great marriage. We want to love our kids. We want to love the people around us. We want to love our community. Guys, that's what I love about our church. It's just the the generosity and and seeing the the gallery that was filled with presents for Angel Tree and taking gifts to people who aren't going to get Christmas this year or or loving orphan children over in Moldova. We have 71 kids who have houses now and places to live because of your generosity, but it just wells up inside of us. God is here, and God is inviting us to be different, our lives to be transformed because the greatest gift of all has been given. And did you notice, did you notice what the angel said? Today, today in the town of David, a Savior has been born. And notice those last two words, to you. A Savior has been born to you. Check the tag. It's got your name on it. That's what Christmas is all about. But this box could sit up here, this package, and, and you could go about and do your own thing and kind of live your own life and say, whatever, God, you know, I got Christmas. There. But, but man, when you take and you receive the grace of God, your life changes. And it is incredible, and it is awesome, and it is for eternity. Romans says this, for the wages of sin is death, but... Praise God for that but in the Bible right there. But the gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. Merry Christmas, guys. That is the greatest gift of all that God has given his son for you. And that's why we celebrate. That's why we worship. 
That's why we come and we adore him. That's why we celebrate his birthday as the defining moment of history. I mean, when Jesus was born, he split history in two, B.C. and A.D. But it's not just that Jesus was born 2,000 years ago. It's that Jesus comes alive in hearts and lives all over the world today. C.S. Lewis, when he was 33, for me, when I was eight years old, Jesus became the Lord of my life, and I have never regretted a moment. It just gets sweeter and deeper and richer every day. Far more in love with the Lord and what God's doing, and that we get to be a part of that together. Together. You know, as we celebrate the birthday of Jesus, whenever you have a cake, you put a candle on it, don't you? Because you want everybody to see. You want to make it special. You should have received a candle when you came in, and I just want to invite you to take that candle out. And here's what God says about his son. He says, the light came into the world and the darkness could not overcome it. I mean, how awesome is that? In a world of darkness, in a world of fear, in a world of anxiety, the light has come and the darkness cannot overcome it. And when I light this candle and think about Jesus being the light of the world, but being the light of my life, that my life is different. And because of what God has done in me, I could share that gift with those around me. I could share the gift of Christ in a hug and a smile and generosity and grace. And we get to share the gift tonight. What's amazing is when you share the gift of Christ, you light somebody else's candle, your candle's not diminished at all, is it? In fact, it seems to even glow a little brighter as you watch the light of Christ fill this room and fill our lives. Let's stand together. We're gonna sing Silent Night. And I want you to watch as the light comes into this room and watch as the darkness cannot overcome it. <laughs>